Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We lack nothing in you, Lord. Amen. Lord, we don't, we lack, we lack nothing in you. Because you're the author of everything. And we praise your name. Lord, tonight, help equip us from your word, not to lack anything, Lord. And let the church tonight come alive in the river, Lord. Mm-hmm. The river of your love. The wells of salvation. Mm. Lord, bring your, let your living water flow through us, Lord, tonight. Liven us up. Clean, fresh, pure, cool, living water. Mm. And Lord, tonight, as people see us as we go out into the world after church tonight, Let them see that we are alive in the river. And let them choose life, that they too might have life in Christ Jesus. Yes. As the song said at the end, the living water. Jesus said, if any of you are thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And from his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Let it flow through us tonight, Lord no matter what circumstance or situation we're in. Lord, all things are possible with you. Yes. So, Lord, liven our faith up. As we look at Joseph tonight, Lord, in chapter 39 of Genesis, Lord, let us see a man that was faithful to the end in a foreign country, all by himself, never turning his back on you, Lord God. Help us to do the same. Help us to have enough courage, strength, and love for you, never to turn our backs on you. To you be the glory, Lord, in Jesus' name. Yes. Amen. 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 You may be seated, everybody. It's awesome you're here. I said we're in Genesis chapter 39, so... For those of you who just tuned in, I want you to know you're listening to Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We know other other places have joined us just now, so I'm going to give the introduction again. Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches in South Florida. Uh, we invite you to tune in every Thursday night at 7.15 and uh, every Sunday at 10 a.m. You have to go to Freedom Church website. Freedom Church PB stands for palmbeach.org. FreedomChurchPB.org, uh, and you can check out all about us, what we believe in, who we are, and uh, you can donate online, whatever you see fit. So, uh, as I said earlier, we're in expositional studies on uh, Thursday night uh, in the book of Genesis. We're going chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and on Sunday at 10 a.m., we're in Matthew. We go. We're doing expositional again in the Book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, um, and we will be in Chapter Five. Jesus just began his preaching, uh, according in Chapter Four. He began his preaching with the words, "Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand." 
And then, you know, uh, people were following. He was healing people, and people were following him all around. And he used that as an opportunity to give us the most beautiful words uh, that, that are probably written in the Bible, the, the uh, Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes. So tune in uh, Sunday at 10 a.m. Um, let's see. I think that's about it for our introduction. If you're local, um, we have a men's Bible study every Saturday at 9 a.m. right here, 2810 High Paluxo Road. We're a half a mile west of I-95 on the north side of the road, Freedom Church. So uh, we'll get into our study tonight. Turn, Get your Bibles out to Genesis chapter 39. Chapter 39. So far we've had a a great discussion. We saw the creation. We saw the fall. We saw the flood, the dispersion. Um, we saw the, uh, the people that were called, you know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Um, we saw the covenant that was given to the patriarchs and a whole lot of other things that, um, that uh, we have studied. We can't go over them all again, but... Um, can't go over them all again, but uh, I just wanted to touch and remind you. Want a prayer request? Okay, do they have a name for them? Jeffrey. Hold on, everybody. We're going to pray, say some prayers here real quick. We're praying for some people that came down with uh, COVID, the whole family, so we're going to pray for them. They probably don't know we're praying for them, but that's okay. God knows, and that's what we're depending on the Lord to bring it about. Jesse? Jeffrey and family. Okay. Okay. Missionaries, Okay, Father, tonight we come to you for uh, Jeffrey and his family, Lord, a family that's got taken down with COVID-19. Lord God, as I've been saying all along, just because you get COVID-19 doesn't mean you're, you're dead and going to be buried, Lord. We need to have more faith. We need to have more faith instead of fear. So, Lord, I pray for this family, Lord God, in Jesus' name, that you bring a healing touch to them, Lord God. You said if we tell this mountain to be taken up and cast into the sea, and if we don't doubt in our heart but believe that what we said will happen, then you would grant it to us. So we're coming against that mountain and the Jeffrey and Jeffrey's family, Lord, in Jesus' name. We're casting that mountain of sickness into the into the sea, Lord God, and move it out of his way, Lord God. So we just put that before you. You said that we have all authority on heaven and earth to come against evil forces of wickedness in heavenly places and then you said nothing shall by any means hurt us so we're going to take that at your word because your word is true jesus told us it was true he said i am the way i am the truth and i am the life so father god we know that every word of god is tested and it's sure so lord we at freedom church are going to believe that this family will be fine and father the other request lord was from some uh, missionaries over in Afghanistan, I understand, are in a lot of trouble, and I'm sure there's a lot of people over there. Lord, I don't know how people could be so evil. I just don't get it, Lord. But 
I guess as I read the Bible, I see how evil they are. And Lord, it just dawn, it just upsets me, Lord, that people aren't worried about their their future, their eternal future, Lord God. They love to kill. Lord, I just pray for those missionaries. Protect them and keep them. Send your angels to guard around them, Lord. They need to get out of there, Lord, and then somehow, some way, open the door that they may exit safely with their families, Lord. So, Father God, we we come against those Taliban, Lord, in Jesus' name, not only with with uh, weapons of carnality, but we come against those Taliban, those evil people that are, that are trying to kill and murder people, Lord. We come against them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord God. We pray for healing. We pray for protection. We pray for a hedge of protection around all the missionaries in Afghanistan right now, Lord. We don't know them, but you know who they are. So, Lord, put a hedge around them and let them be able to escape out of there safely with their families, as I prayed a little bit ago. Father God, we bind back those the strong man, the evil demonic forces behind it in Jesus' name and their co- his cohorts of darkness. We cancel his assignment against our missionaries in Afghanistan and the, and the children and the women there, Lord. So, Father, we just uh, we thank you, Lord, that we can come against things in, in your name, things that are evil. We pray, Lord, that, that uh, what this Taliban meant for evil, that you will turn it into good. And we believe that with all our heart because your word says so. So, Lord, into your hands we commit these prayers that arise before your throne as a sweet-smelling aroma, Lord, and, and uh, answer our prayer for our brothers and sisters in uh, Afghanistan. And to you be the glory for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Genesis chapter 39. You know, we're real here. We don't, uh, we're not putting on a, a um, Hollywood production. You know, if somebody needs a prayer, we'll pray, you know. So um, don't get upset about that. For people out there that are in, you know, uh, uh, what can I say, uh, uh, army-type mode, you know, you know, you've got to do it exactly the way you did it last week. No, you do it the way the Holy Spirit calls it. And that's what we're, it, it does kind of throw people off a little bit. But you know what? Um, it's, it's right from God. So those people got prayer tonight. They have no idea that we were even praying for them. And you know what? The reward for you guys is in heaven. And God will reward you accordingly as we prayed. Genesis chapter 39. I mentioned this from, from prominence to prison. From prominence to present, we're in Genesis chapter 29. I'd like to read the first few verses. Um, Genesis, let me turn to 29 because I'm in 32 right now. Genesis 39, I'm going to read the first six verses. Pages are so thin. Wow. I go through this every every time I'm up here. Now Joseph, I'm reading from the New American Standard Version. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the bodyguard, brought him, bought him 
from the Ishmaelites and taken them, who had taken them down there. And the Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now his master saw the Lord was with him, and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and became a per, his personal servant. And he made him overseer over his house, and all that he owned he put in charge of. And it came about that from the time he made him an overseer in his house and over all that he had owned, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house on account of Joseph. Thus the Lord's blessing was upon all that he owned in the house and in the field. So he left everything he owned in Joseph's charge, and with him there he did not concern himself with anything except the food which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. That's setting it up for the next few verses, the form and appearance. Here, you know, in those six chapters that we just read, it is said there that, that um, the Lord was with him five times in six verses. Potiphar noticed that, that the Lord was with him. You know, now this guy serves thousands of gods, but he knew the true God was with Joseph, and he put him in charge of everything. Five times. Notice that all that all is all's working, everything's working against Joseph to be a Hebrew man in a foreign land. There's a strange gods, there's a strange land, there's strange people, there's strange rules, there's there's you know, he's he's been stripped of his home, stripped of his family, stripped of his status, you know, from from uh being a, a son in in uh Judah's home to a slave in Egypt. But his relationship with God, the Father, did not change. Reminds me of what Paul said, my grace is sufficient for you. And here we see that in action in, in Joseph's life. Paul even wrote about it also in, in Romans 8.31. He said, if God is for us, who can be against you? So, you know, you can see the, the New Testament and the Old Testament lining up spiritually as we move along. You know, Joseph is a living epistle in a foreign land, and even Potiphar has, has known it. And that also points to an application for us, that we too should be living epistles in this world in which we live. Joseph's Joseph's relationship with God was obviously recognizable, and same with our lives. We should also be recognizable by the world or the people around us that we are different. We should be living different lives than those that don't know Christ in this world today. Joseph is very industrious in in his his work because you know the Lord has blessed him 
The Lord blessed him in the pit. The Lord blessed him as a slave. The Lord is going to bless him as a prisoner. And, and, and he's going to be blessed to be the second in command of the greatest nation on the earth at this time, Egypt. Nothing, absolutely nothing derailed Joseph from serving God, even though he was, as I mentioned, in a foreign land, foreign people, uh, uh, stripped of his home, his family, and his, and his status. Nothing, nothing derailed Joseph from God. Nothing. And it ought to be that way with us. At this time, I figure somewhere between 9 and 11 years, Joseph was working for Potiphar until we see what happens in the uh, next couple verses as we, as we, we read. Obviously, Joseph, Joseph worked very hard. He was patient, and he was faithful in whatever he did. So let's go read verses 7 through 10. And it came about after these events that his master's wife looked with desire at Joseph. Remember, he was a handsome man. And, jo and she said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house, and he has put all things he owns in my charge. There is no one greater in this house than I, and he has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do this evil thing and sin against God? And it came about, as she spoke to Joseph day after day, that he did not listen to her and lie, nor lie beside or be with her. So Joseph is now being attacked by the wife of his, his, uh, his boss, really. Potiphar's wife is propositioning him. And he's a high-value target. I want you to know that. He's an HVT, and that's what you are too, church. You are a high-value target, and the devil wants to take you down. And he might even go to this extreme to have a, a woman chase after you or a man chase after you, woman, when you're married to somebody else. So I remember David... Psalm 51, verse 4, Against you and you only have I sinned and have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. That's what David recognized. He's sinning against God. And you could see that, that Joseph refused to sin against his God. It says right here in the uh, ninth verse, Now then, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Foreign land, foreign people, immoral people, and Joseph is still holding on to his morality in a foreign land where no such things probably existed. There's three reasons why Joseph uh, rejects her propositioning. He understood that sex outside of marriage was not right. It was wrong. He actually saw his brother, remember, Reuben, went into his father's concubine. And it caused nothing but trouble. It was wrong. Reuben was wrong. 
Number two, he understood that this would violate Potiphar's trust in him, his boss. In other words, he would lose his integrity. And you don't want that to happen. You know what integrity is, don't you? That you'll do what's right even when there's nobody around to see it. You'll do what is right. I know a man one time that led this woman to the Lord, and I'm going back for a long time, 40 years. You know, she led, he led this woman to the Lord, and the woman tried to proposition him, you know, uh, along the way. And you know what he said to her? He said, if I would do what you are suggesting, I would not be the man that you think I am. And that's what Joseph is really saying. I'm not that kind of man. I'm not going to do that. It's wrong. It's wrong in the sight of God. David found that out the hard way, being rebuked by, by Nathan. And David even pronounced sentence on himself as, as Nathan described this, this, uh, this guy that took the one little guy's sheep. It's wrong. shouldn't be done. Integrity. We need to keep our integrity. People will notice your integrity in this world as you walk, you know, as a Christian on this earth. You become a bad witness. A lot of us Christians, maybe some, maybe you are, and a lot of situations, maybe you're a bad witness. I don't know. If you are, you need to turn turn back the the go doing about face and do what is opposite of what you just did. Number three, understand his. He understood his position before God. Here, Paul wrote it years later in Hebrews, if he wrote Hebrews, which I most, I think he did. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to, his, to the eyes of him to whom you must give an account. See, sometimes we think nobody's watching. Well, my wife, my husband will never find out. Well, the Bible speaks clearly against that. It says, be sure your sin will find you out. It will. might be 20 years, might be 20 seconds, but your sin will be found out. He understood, and we have to understand, church, that no matter what we do, even if nobody's looking, God is looking. Because he's alive and he's well. She persists at this in verse 10. She went on, persisted at, at um, lying with Joseph, you know, many times, propositioning him. And the same thing, you know, the application today. Satan ain't going to let you go until you keep on running away from him and submitting yourself to God. Resisting him, I should say, is the way it's put in the Bible. Resist the devil. Well, submit yourself to God, then resist the devil, and he will flee. It ends up here that Joseph's the one that's going to flee, as you well know. Here's two more ways Joseph uh, typifies Christ in this chapter. Number one, or number ten, because I gave you nine already. We're going to go over them as we go along. Two more ways Joseph typifies Christ. Remember? The Bible shows Joseph as a type of Christ. It's a picture of, of what Christ is gonna, uh, going to do. Number, number 10 is, you know, he was tempted to sin. And number 11 has, goes along with it, yet he sinned not. 
yet he sinned not. What we learned so far of uh, Joseph being a type of Christ, I'm going to go through the, the, the twelve, 11 that I already gave you. Number one, you can relate. Since you know your Bible and you know Jesus, you can relate to this. They both, Joseph and Jesus, were both shepherds. Is that true? Yes. Number two, both Jesus and Joseph, um, Joseph were both loved by their father. Is that true? Yes. Okay, both were hated by his bre their brethren. And that's true of Jesus. It's recorded in John chapter 7. Um, number four, both were sent to the brethren by the father. Jo you know, Judah sent Joseph out to, to see his brothers, and, um, and of course Jesus was sent to his brethren, the Jews. Both of them, both of their brethren plotted to kill them. The Jews tried to kill Jesus, scribes, the Pharisees, and of course his brothers, his blood brothers, wanted to kill Joseph. Number six, they were stripped of their garments. As Jesus was stripped and whipped of, of his garment, so was Joseph um, uh, stripped of his colorful garment, as you remember. Both were handed over to Gentiles. So we know that Joseph was handed over to the Ishmaelites going to Egypt, and so was Jesus handed over to the Roman government, the Roman soldier. Both of them were sold for the price of a slave. You know that. Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver, and Joseph was sold for 20 pieces of silver. Both were taken to Egypt. Remember? Joseph had a dream, says, get your son, your wife and your son to Egypt. And they both went to Egypt. Number 10, both were tempted to sin, and yet and they, yet they sinned not. That's tonight's lesson. Both were tempted to sin, but they sinned not. Jesus was tempted in Matthew chapter 4, 1 through 11. We just went through that on Sunday. It was uh, Sunday, was it this Sunday? Yeah, this Sunday. He was tempted by the devil. He was, he was tempted by the devil in the desert, and he sinned not. Joseph was confronted and tempted by this wife of Pharaoh, or not Pharaoh, but Potiphar, and uh, he sinned not also. So it's a type of Christ. He says, one man in the Bible that typifies Christ in the Old Testament. And you know what? There's 39 of them in, this, in the next chapters that come up. 39 ways Joseph is a type of Christ. That tells you something. Tells you a whole lot. Overcoming temptation um, taken from the life of Joseph is for us today. Number one, let your faith be known. They knew he was Hebrew. They knew he worshipped another god, Jehovah, as you well know. And in this chapter so far, by the time we're done with this chapter, there's going to be a couple more times added to it. But the Lord was with Joseph five times in the first six verses, as I mentioned. Joseph was one that kept busy. 
An idle mind is the devil's playground. I don't know if you know that. And also Paul tells the Romans, he said, Do not love the world or the things in the world. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life are not from the Father, but are from the world. I, ta- I crossed that over to 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 10 also. Joseph, or chapter 2, I'm sorry. Joseph was careful to never be alone with his temptation. He refused to be with her. He resisted the temptation, and we have that same way. Paul wrote, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your strength, but with this temptation, he will enable you to escape it. Joseph is called, called the act, Joseph called the act of Potiphar's wife wanting to lie with him what it was. It was sin. He said in verse 39.10, and we read it, this, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Today, They don't call adultery, fornication, what it really is. It's a sin, along with a whole bunch of other things, as you well know. Number five, Joseph knew how greatly his sin would affect others. That's written in Numbers, and I quoted the last part of it. Be sure your sin will find you out. It's, it's just, it's biblical. It's going to happen. You're going to get found out one way or the other. Sin is destructive. You well know. Joseph knew it, and he wouldn't do it. Number six, Joseph knew that this sin was a sin against God, as is all sin, as you well know. But this sin is against God. It's against you. It's against your, your, your spouse also. Joseph and David called it what it is. Against you and you only, God, have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. You remember David, he sinned uh, uh, with Bathsheba. And it actually, he actually found out that she was pregnant. And sure, he put his, his uh, he gave his, his soldier Uriah an opportunity to sleep with his wife by calling him in from the field, but he wouldn't do it while his buddies were out there being slaughtered or killed. And Bathsheba got pregnant, and, you know, David had to do something. So to hide his sin, he had Uriah killed by putting him in the front line. That sin not only affected David and Bathsheba, but it also affected Uriah because he's the one that died. But it also affected the other front line soldiers that, that were sent up front by the arrows of the country they were trying to conquer. It was just it wasn't just one person that died of David's uh, sin. It was a bunch of them, a bunch of soldiers. Number seven, Joseph just said no. I remember was it Nancy Reagan said that years ago? Just say no to drugs. Just say no to adultery. Just say no to fornication. Just say no. 
It takes a lot of strength to say no. Who was stronger here, Joseph for running out the door or the man that maybe would have slept with her? It's definitely the stronger one would be the one who runs away. Joseph, well, he re refused. He just said no. And that's it. If we say no to sin, even if we feel like saying yes, say no. Verses 11 through 18. Let's get to the page again. 11 through, thir- 11 through 18. Now it happened one day that he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the household was there inside. And she caught him by the garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and went outside. When she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled outside, she called for the men of her household and said to them, See, he has brought in a Hebrew to us to make sport of us. He came in to me and lie to lie with me, and I screamed. And it came about when he heard what had, what I raised, that I raised my voice and screamed, that he left his garment beside me and fled and went outside. So she left his garment beside her until the master came home. Then she spoke to him with these words, the Hebrew slave whom you brought to us came in to me to make sport of me. And it happened as I raised my voice and screamed that he left his garment beside me and fled outside. Joseph here is falsely accused. And that's one more thing we can add to a type of Christ. Jesus was falsely accused. You know it was. He was innocent. And Joseph is falsely accused here. By false testimonies of of Potiphar's wife and the false testimonies of those that tried to uh, crucify Christ. Joseph's response should be every man or every woman's response to run away. Run away. The best way to overcome sin, run away. That's it. God provided a way of escape. I just want you to know, too, this is the second time that his garment was used as a false witness. You remember, his coat of many colors was torn up by his brothers, and goat's blood was poured on it to make it look like he was, he was eaten by a wild animal. This is the second time Joseph's garment was used as a false witness to him. Verses uh, 19 through 23. Let me read from my notes because the lettering's bigger, but this is the New King James Version. So it was when the master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did to me after this manner that his anger was arose. 
Then Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph. Look at that. In prison, the Lord is with him and showed mercy to him. He gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph all hand, Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, he was so it was so it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him and whatever he did the Lord made it prosper. So we got two or three more times that we see that the Lord was with Joseph. Foreign land, foreign gods, Joseph is standing up for the true one and only God, Yahweh or Jehovah. Potiphar puts him in jail. There's two different views on this. He either believes his wife or he believes Joseph. His anger was directed towards Joseph. You know, I have a feeling that this wasn't the first time this woman had done that. Okay? But Potiphar was angry. Joseph and his wife, probably both. Here's five more times we're told that God was with Joseph. Joseph was, uh, the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the, the Egyptian. Well, I'm going to go through all five of them. Um, and his master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord made all that he did prosper in his hand. Number three, and the Lord was with Joseph and showed mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. The keeper of the prison did not look to and look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. And God blessed Joseph. It's just, this is a blessed man. We don't see anywhere in Scripture that says Joseph sinned. But we know that he did because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Remember, you interpret Scripture by Scripture. So, you know, we know that he was a sinner. The closest thing that I know the scholars come up with in Joseph's life is that he deceived his brothers when they came to Egypt. He did not let them know who he was at first. He kind of, that's, that's one, one sin that they p try to point out. And it could have been sin. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's not a big, big deal to me. But all I know is I wish I could be like Joseph. <laughs> the truth is, in all this, God blesses obedience to holiness. And Joseph was being a holy man in a difficult, immoral country. Without his family, he was standing there all alone. You know, I was in business years ago, and and uh, and was in, and I worked for people for years, and I was the only Christian in the one job that I had down here in South Florida. I was the only Christian, and it was hard. And they, you know, they made fun of you. They wouldn't ask you to go to any place with you or anything like that. So it's hard, and that's just small compared to what Joseph was in a foreign country with all these foreign gods. But he held to his faith 
with or without his family. His mother and father obviously did a, did a pretty good job. God blesses obedience to holiness, and that will happen with any one of us too. Joseph here is made the overseer in the prison. He was overseer in Potiphar's house. Now he's an overseer in prison. The Lord is repeating the process and prospering Joseph. You know why? He is giving him administration skills. God is teaching Joseph administration skills because there's going to be a famine come on in the land in, in about seven years. And God is teaching him how to prosper in bad times. And this will save not only the lives of many Egyptians, but even his household back in, in uh, the promised land, Judah and his 11 brothers. Circumstances in our life can change, but God's faithfulness does not. And Joseph knew that. Our circumstances can change, but God's faithfulness does not. We know the scripture verse, you're, the Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease. They are new every morning, and great is his faithfulness to us. Here's four more ways Joseph typifies Christ. He was accused by Potiphar and well, Potiphar's wife, and he did not utter a word. He kept silent, just like Jesus did. In Matthew 27, but he answered him not a word, so that the governor marveled greatly. Also, both were respected by the jailer. The centurion saw what was happening at the end when Jesus was crucified, and he said, surely this is the Son of God. And even the jailer respected uh, Joseph and, of course, Jesus. One more, number 15. They both were entrusted their defense to God. They really didn't stand up for themselves. They trusted uh, God to get them out of this. They both were bound for number 16. Both of them were bound. Matthew 27 says that when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. One more way, on top of all the other ones, this is number 17, they both possessed authority amid, uh, amidst their captivity. Jesus still had all the authority of heaven, and Joseph had all the authority, you know, in his captivity in the prison and in Potiphar's house. So, that's, um, that's, a, that's a lot for going on tonight, you know, really. Here's what, I just got a little thing from, I want to go over. Because this chapter is talking about a proposition to adultery, I just wanted to read some consequences of adultery and divorce to come out of the Bible, okay? Proverbs, most of them are from Proverbs and Second Samuel. And a little bit from Corinthians. Proverbs 2.17, you lose your closest friend. 
if you divorce your spouse or, or if you, you go into a, a, a woman and she's, she, you aren't married, then you lose your, you get a leave, you're leaving your closest friend. You ignore the covenant of God. That's number two. You invite death into your house, into your life. You know what? You know what divorce is? It's, it's, it's me versus we. You tell, if, you, if, if you divorce someone, you know what it is? It's all about you, so it's me. But while you're married, it's we. They just turn the me, the we upside down and make it me. Now it's no longer both of you, it's just them. One person with, the, with a, a greed. You, uh, it's a one-way ticket to trouble. Number, number five, it uproots you from your inheritance or your, your um, I guess you could say your land if you own anything. You're going to lose something. It, it, it ends in bitterness most of the time. And he ends painful. It's like a two-edged sword, says Proverbs 5, 4. It destabilizes everything in a person's life. Divorce, adultery. You give away your wealth. In other words, you're going to have to pay some money in all this. Rejection of those who love you most. That's the heart, the part it really gives you. One person loves the other so much, and the other one's being rejected, and that hurts big time. Um, you're trapped in your sin. You're, you're defiant. Um, your love turns to hate, says Second Samuel 13. Love turns to hate. Believe me, I counseled a lot of people in marriages, and I saw the hate in their eyes. Sometimes it was both of them. Sometimes it's just one. But I can recognize that hateful spirit, and it is wicked. And that's what happens, and it's got to be stopped. They mock marriage if they divorce because it's a covenant, not a contract. You can sign a contract, and you can maybe uphold it in a court. But when you get married, it's a covenant, and it's issued in blood. That's why the two of you shall become one flesh. It's harder to separate one flesh. It's like cutting your arm off. And in and through all that all, in and through all that, you're developing a soul tie within a wrong relationship, which is no good. I'm going to give you some examples from Psalm 51. When David prayed, you know that Psalm 51 is David's prayer of, of confession or repentance. Here's what David had in verses 1 through 5. He said he has no peace. There's no peace because of the consequences of his sin. He had no fruitfulness in verses verse 6a. Verse 6b, he had no wisdom. In verse 7, he had no purity. You read Psalm 51 and you'll see these things in, in verses 8, 9, and 12 he's telling you he lost his joy in, uh, in uh, verse 10 of Psalm 51 he says my heart's unclean he has an unclean heart and that's why he's saying, saying to God in verse 10 create in me a clean heart O God create is the word Hebrew word bara it means from nothing 
He's, here's what David's saying. Get rid of this old thing and put me in a new heart I, from nothing. Start over. My heart's so evil. Give me a new one. In verse 10b, he's saying he, he lost his commitment. There's no commitment going on in his life, not only to, to uh, his, you know, not only to God, but to others that are around him. In verse 6, he also says he doesn't have a right relationship. The relationship is wrong, was wrong. Now, verse 11, it says he has no assurance when, you, when we sin against God. Our assurance is taken away. We wonder, am I going to lose my salvation? Don't you? Something like that. Verse 12, he has no spirit to serve anybody anymore. It's all about me. It's all about me. He has no desire to teach others, to teach sinners the way. In other words, he loses, he loses his evangelistic spirit to lead other people to God. Why? Because he's embarrassed. He failed God. In verse 13, he says he has no purpose. He even lost his purpose by, by sinning with Bathsheba. He even says, verse 15 and 14 and 15 says, even the song went out of his heart. And you know David was a musician, right? The song's gone. That's got to hurt. In verse 16 and 17, he says, I no longer have any humility. Here's what he says. Let me read that verse to you. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. He's crushed. David's crushed over his sin, especially because a prophet rebuked him for it. You are that man. You just pronounced your own judgment, David. Kill him. But God spared his life, so he got mercy. Verse 18, he has no defense against Satan. If you, here's what it says in verse 18. You say, well, how do you get Satan? Do good in your good pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. If you sin against God, your protective walls come down that are holding the enemy out. No longer is it a 20-foot high wall. Now it just crumbled down, and the enemy can just come right in and destroy you, and you lose your defenses. You need to repent immediately. And the last point, I believe it's the last point, uh, 19 here in verse 19, is the, no testimony when you sin against God. You've lost your testimony. You know, Paul gave his testimony many times in the book of Acts, and he talked about it in the epistles that he wrote. A testimony, your testimony is so important. If you lose your witness and your testimony before for people, then you're going to be a failure at, at winning them over to Christ. So it's best for us not to do these things. Yet, these consequences are all over the church and certain individuals all over the, the country, I guess you could say, because a lot of people in the country, they aren't moral at all. At least Christians have morality uh, laws put before them. So, um, 
we want to stay away from that. For any of you out there that are struggling with, with this, thinking, well, I can find a better mate, you better stop it now because the consequences are awful great. They're awful great. And until you repent and, and uh, of your sins and turn around and go back the other way, um, you're going to be hurting big time. So let's close in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, Thank you, Father, that you we see such a, a beautiful picture of a godly man in the Old Testament land, Lord, a man that was taken away from a beautiful home that he loved, sold into slavery, Father, became, became uh, a prominent, then he lost his prominence, thrown into prison because of a lie. And Lord, Father God, if only we could be, can I say, as, as righteous as we possibly can. Not because we're saved by our righteousness, but because we want to be righteous because our righteous God is giving us an example. <coughs> so, Lord, help us to be faithful to you. Help us walk this life with integrity and help us, to, our witness, to be strong and powerful because of the life of holiness that we tr try to live in, in this life that you've given us. And Lord, give us a contrite heart and a broken spirit so that um, we can worship you with, with all of our hearts. You said in Isaiah 6, 66, 2, to this one I look. He who is humble, contrite of spirit, and trembles at your word. Father, tonight I pray that, that your word would cause many of us that heard this to tremble and to get right with you. So let it be done in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. I love you all. Everybody online, and tune in next Thursday at 7.15 and Sunday at 10 a.m. And God bless you all in Jesus' name. Amen.